Well, for tonight, would you join me once again in the book of Esther, Esther chapter 9, the book of Esther chapter 9, as we look through this wonderful book that shares so much about our God, and his name is not even mentioned. We see him through the lattice. We see him in the background. We see him as the director. We see him as the overseer. We see him pronouncing his purpose and having it fulfilled page after page, verse after verse, chapter after chapter, and it's the same tonight. It, uh, we see God's purpose demonstrated throughout the Old and the New Testament in two incidences that quickly come to my mind. One of them was a young lady that was captured by a Syrian army, an Israelite girl, young lady, captured by the Syrian army, taken into captivity, and it was there she knew she was able to share with Naaman's wife, I know a man that could help this man. So God's providence, his purpose to have her in the right place. And as we go through the book of Esther, we find the same thing, that Esther was in the right place at the right time by God's purpose. She was a citizen of Israel, of Jerusalem or Judah. She's taken captive with her cousin, taken into captivity in the Persian Empire. And now we find her that she is the queen of Persia by the directions of Almighty God. Now, we have noticed in this section of scripture, going through the book of Esther, that there is people that have always hated the church, always hated grace, always hated the gospel, always hated God, and always hated his people. And here it is illustrated that there was a man that was in a high position, his name was Haman, and he had a aversion, a, a hatred. He was enmity against God and against God's people. And he's been disposed of now, and an edict had gone out, and now another one has gone out, and the defense of the Jews is in their hands. They can do this. It reminds me of a passage of scripture, and keep your finger right there, but turn with me to the book of Romans, if you would. The book of Romans, chapter 8. The book of Romans, chapter 8. This verse of scripture helped me so much as I went through these verses in the book of Esther, chapter 9. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, and there in verse 37, we have these words left us by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, Nay, in all these things. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors. Well, to be a conqueror is one thing, but to be more than a conqueror is greater. And so as we go back to the book of Esther, we find there in chapter 9 that there are several verses that share with us that Israel was permitted by law to defend themselves against these enemies of the church. In Esther chapter 9, and there in uh, verse 5, we're going to read verse 5. We're not going to read this whole section, but we're going to read a few verses that share with us that the children of Israel were able to protect themselves. They became more than conquerors. Now, God is the underlying reason for all things. He's the purpose for all things. Everything comes from him. It tells us in verse 7, Thus the Jews smote all their enemies, 
with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto those that hated them. And we find here how glorious it is as we read in the scriptures that God has taken care of all the enemies of the church. He protected the church and he's taken care of the enemies of the church. He's protecting the Jews, he's taking care of the enemies of the Jews. And our sword today is not a steel sword in our hand, it is the word of God. And we find out that the word of God is the only thing that can actually get down to where people need to hear. It is faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We preach the gospel. We let the Lord take care of his business about helping people, lifting people, delivering people, saving people. We let them do that. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have, we don't care. We do care. We pray. We cry out. But we find out that life has to be given to us from God. Just as he dealt with Lazarus, life had to come from God. And that is how Lazarus came out of the tomb. All right, in that same section, verse 6, And in Shushan, the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed 500 men. We have the enemies of church everywhere. And we find that in our own flesh, the enemy of God is everywhere. And the, the worst part is our heart. Our heart is desperately wicked. And then as we travel down through here, we find there in verse 10, and 10 sons of Haman, the son of Hamadath, the enemy of the Jews, slew they, but on the spoil laid they not their hand. So Haman was a, a real Judas Iscariot is treacherous and he was able to manipulate the king to get his treachery into writing and a signet ring in the wax and sent out and we find in this we, as we look at this we find out that there is no room for any part of religion in a believer's life Religion, the old religion, is not something that a believer will count on for anything. We're going to have to deal with every bit of it. And we're thankful that God does deal with that every bit of it in our lives. That we do not rely upon one particle of it for our hope or our salvation. Just as we find here the children of Haman, that, that demon of a man that was interested in destroying all of the people of God... His children were in the same mix, and so they were dealt with, and just the same with us. There is no slack given to any, uh, anything that would detain us or detract us from worshiping the true and the living God. We just cannot have it. Uh, we look at the Apostle Paul, and he was one of the most religious men that we have record of in scriptures. And after the Lord saved him, he did not go back for part of it. He did not go back for... Uh, a half of it or a quarter of it or a, a percent of it or half a percent of it, he was done with it because God pulled him out of that horrible pit. And so we have nothing there. And then in we find in verse 12 of this chapter, it says, And the king said unto the Esther the queen, The Jews have slain and destroyed 500 men in Shushan the palace and 10 sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? He is behind this. He's supporting them. And so is God supporting us as we deal with these things. And we'll look over in the book of Revelation in just a moment where it shares with us 
that they overcame him, overcame the devil, overcame pride, overcame our heart by the blood of the Lamb. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, what is thy petition, and it shall be granted thee? Or what is thy request further, and it shall be done? In verse 15, For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the fourteenth day also of Adar, and slew three hundred men at Shushan, but on the prey they laid not their hand. There was nothing about what they owned that they wanted for a possession. And then also in verse 16, but the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives and had the rest from their enemies and slew their foes seventy and five thousand. But they laid not their hand on their prey. So we find that there was total victory throughout the entire kingdom. There was total victory through all the uh, princes or principalities of this. And we find as, it, as we look at this, that there is more, more than conquerors through Jesus. We look at the Lord and his ministry on the cross and his, in, in his embassage for us, we find that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and through this New Testament reading, we find so much that is said with regard to our position in Christ, that it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, but he is the one that gives us the victory. He's the one that raises us from the spiritual dead. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and there in verse 57, we read these words, but thanks be to God. Now those, we're going to find out in a few verses that follow where we finished up our reading for tonight, there's going to be a big celebration. They're going to have a party. They're thankful to God for what he has permitted them to do and allowed them to do, that they've had a victory, a great victory, and all the enemies that they had has been destroyed. And we find that in Christ Jesus, all the enemies of the church was destroyed when he overcame them on the cross. And now we read this, but thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, lest we should get proud and say that it's part me. We find out verses like this, that the victory, the strength given for the victory, the victory itself is through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we back up here, we find that Paul is talking about several different subjects, and one of them is sin, and one of them is death, and he says that Christ gives us the victory through all of those things. How God overshadowed, oversaw, and, and provided everything that was necessary for the defense of those Jews, and they could say in the end, though it's not even recorded, God has given us the victory. Turn with me, if you would, to John 16. John 16, as we look at this subject through the scriptures, that we are more than conquerors, as we find out those folks there in the book of Esther were more than conquerors. In John 16, verse 33, John 16 and verse 33, it shares this. It tells us, Christ tells us, that we're going to have tribulation in this world. People are not going to like the gospel. People are not going to like the church. People are not going to like God. 
We've been there. We know what it is. These things have I spoken unto you that, ye may, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Lord shares with us that we can be at peace. We can be at good cheer even though the world may give us tribulation. He has overcome the world. He is, his victory over the world has been so successful that we can be of good cheer and we can be at peace. We can have that in me ye might have peace. Now, we're not going to find peace in ourselves or peace in our works or peace in anything else. We find true peace, true spiritual peace in Christ Jesus alone, resting on his words on the cross. It is finished. We rest in those words. We rest in the purpose of grace. We rest in those things. We rest spiritually in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has given us the victory. In fact, we're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. And we get to celebrate about that victory. Every day is a celebration of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. We celebrate it by his resurrection. We celebrate it by him being at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ because it means so much to us that he is victorious, that we are victorious in him. All right, if you'll turn with me again to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, we have a way, a means, God provides. This is his provision to us that we are caused to triumph in Christ. We're caused to be in triumph. It says, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. There's no in-between times. Always causes us to triumph. The Lord shares with us in the book of John, First uh, John chapter four, First John chapter four, that the one who indwells the believer, the Holy Spirit, the one who has taken up his place in his people, the one that has given us the new birth, the one that has called us by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit. Notice here in First John chapter four and verse four. First John chapter four. And verse 4, what a, what a statement this is. Ye, ye are of God, little children, and over, have overcome them because, because. Now this is where God's sovereignty, this is where God's omnipotence, omnipresence, all of the greatness of God is to our great wealth. Because it says, because greater is he that is in you. Now, when God saves us, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do a thing for our flesh. We are given the Spirit of God. We have, this is the down payment of our inheritance. And here he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, however great he is that's in the world, however great that is, Greater is he that is in you 
Now, some people feel that that great one in this world is really great. Well, he's nothing compared to the greater than he, than he that is in you. We have nothing to fear because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, however great he is. How, how significant he may be. Greater is he that is in you. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, salvation by grace, the new birth that God gives us, and all of these are gifts as a, an abundant gifts of the new birth. We find that the Holy Spirit is given to, to us, who is the third of the Godhead, the third person of the Godhead, and has all of the attributes and characteristics of all the rest of them. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. However great he is, he's still greater than that. And what a blessing it is that the Lord would leave those thoughts for us. The days may be troublesome, but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, and there in verse 11. Much of what John was used to write in the book of Revelation was a benefit of those churches he wrote to and churches down through time. He was giving them the reason for their blessings. And here in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Now that's the one that's in the world. Greater is he than he that's in the world. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. What is the only way that we can overcome and get through this world? It is the blood of the Lamb. And what does that do for us? It gives us the new birth. Christ Jesus his blood paid for all our sin debt, and by that very reason, the Holy Spirit will come along and regenerate us. In Adam, we had our battery completely shorted out. There was nothing in it. Oh, there's nothing more despicable for me to go out and try to start my car and the battery's dead because I'm usually a little late as it is. How do we get something back in that battery? Do we pray over the battery? No, we have to hook it up to something greater than the battery. All right, so here we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Going back to the book of 2 Corinthians, would you join me there again in the book of 2 Corinthians? In 2 Corinthians, as we think about those Jews and what they were able to do, and they overcame the enemy God purposed that they overcame the enemy all the enemies of the Jews every and God purposed that in Christ Jesus he would overcome every enemy of the church not one would be left for us to deal with he overcame and we're more more than conquerors Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And here in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 2, 
Ah, I just read that one. It's okay. It's a good one. Re uh, Revelation chapter 7. Would you join me there in Revelation chapter 7? Revelation chapter 7, 9 and 10. Once again, here in the book of Revelation, we have the Lord using his great grace on the behalf of the church and sharing with us where true victory is. If anything is victorious, it has to be in Christ. If anyone is victorious, it has to be Christ. Here in the book of Revelation, chapter 7 and verse 9, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne. The Lord told his disciples to go into all the world, and here's the reason for it. Everywhere in this world, God has his sheep. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And here it says, out of no man could number, a multitude no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. They have the robe of righteousness, they have the palms of peace, and cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Where was salvation? It was, not in the, it was not in the people out in the stands. It was in the person on the throne. Our salvation is in him. He is, he is the one that has caused us to enjoy the victory. He's the one that has caused us to glory in the Lamb. Going back to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. I've met a lot of people and I think I've had this thought once in a while that a believer should be exempt from the aging process. But we're not. The aging process is bringing us to the end of sin. Death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. We're not exempt from this. And yet, we are caused to be victorious on every hand spiritually speaking and physically speaking we're caused to be victorious on every hand because just as God purposed to have a young lady in Naaman's household and a young lady on the throne in Persia he has purposed every ache and every pain and here we find the Apostle Paul praying unto the Lord because he had a thorn in the flesh now, there's several people that have come up with what that is. The thorn in the flesh is where we're leaving it. It may have been his eyesight. It may have been his aging process. But he said, this is what the Lord said unto me, 
My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now these folks there in the Persian Empire, these Jews could say, say this too at the last, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Those folks over there knew something about providing, knew something about who provides, knew something about God. Esther and Mordecai knew something about God. They were blessed. They had faith. God had given them the faith to believe. Remember what Mordecai told Esther? If you don't do this, God will raise up someone else to deliver the Jews. If it's not you, someone else. But the deliverance of the Jews is going to happen. So there was faith among those folks. And we find out the Apostle Paul had faith and he had imperfections and he had, he had physical ailments. And yet the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace. You know what? He understood some things about the gospel, just like Mordecai and Esther and many of those Jews understood about the gospel. They knew something about God. Now, there's not a word name of God found in the book of Esther, but we find his fingerprints all over the book. We find him from beginning to end. We find his purpose from beginning to end. And we find the gospel from beginning to end. We've, we find that the gospel that they knew and Paul knew and all the saints in the New Testament know, knew, and you and I know if we know the gospel, that gospel is the gospel of God. Those folks were not trusting Ahasuerus. They were trusting God. The gospel is about God. The gospel is about the God of heaven. It's good news about the God of heaven. There's nothing in the gospel that is uh, our part. The gospel is a blessing to us, but it is not our part to participate in the gospel. We find it's the gospel of God. When we read in the New Testament, we find out even some of the books of the Bible were called the gospel of God according to. And so we rejoice in that. It is good news, and it came from God. And the gospel is his free and unmerited grace. We, he does not depend upon any of our merit. God did not depend on the merit of Mordecai or the merit of Esther or the merit of Paul or your and I merit. He had nothing that was not even a part of it. We depends only on his grace. It's unmerited grace. It is not something that we purchase. It is unmerited grace. The gospel of God. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and we find these words there. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, gospel means good news, and there's no good news in us. There's no good news in Mordecai by himself, and there's no good news in Esther by herself, and there's no good news in the Jews by themselves, but there's good news in the God of Mordecai. There's good news in the God of Esther, and there's good news in the God of the Jews, and there's good news in the God of the church. There's good news. So they had some grace given to them that allowed them to know God. 
the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What joy it is. And that same thing is brought over in the book of Romans chapter 1. As we think about the victory that those folks had, it's based upon God and the gospel of God. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, it says this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. We're left out of it. We're recipients, not participants. Just as Mordecai and Esther were recipients of the gospel and not participants in it. They had victory after victory. It came back. Ahasuerus says, how's it going? How many? And they were able to say, the Lord has given us great victory throughout the realm. The enemies of the church have been destroyed. And we find out as we look back at the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, the Enemies of the church have been destroyed to the very last one. And Jesus Christ was able to say on that count, it's finished. I've taken care of them all. It's the gospel of God. It's the wonderful truth of a God that will take care of his people. It's a gospel of his free and unmerited grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift. The gospel that Mordecai and Esther looked to, trusted in, and the church has always trusted in, is a gospel that brings God glory. It is about God's glory. There's nothing in it but God's glory. He is going to be glorified in every part of the gospel. It's, nobody's going to go say, back and say, well, it was my baptism that was important. It was my walk forward. It was my bowing my head. It was my faith. It was my, my, my. No, we find out that that's completely an error because it's the gospel of God and it is the gospel of grace and it's the gospel of God's glory and for that and that alone did God save anybody. It's a glorious gospel, but it is also the gospel of God's glory. In the book of Romans chapter 4, would you look there with me? As we think about the victory that went on in the land of Persia from beginning to end on every hand on every side there was victory and it was a great victory and we are victorious in Christ Jesus the Lord in the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 2 the scripture says for if Abraham were justified by works he hath whereof to glory but not before God but with, for what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. God is the God of glory. God is the God of the gospel. God is the God of grace. The gospel is God's glory exemplified and demonstrated. And the gospel is concerning a person. You know, Mordecai and Esther knew about a person. There's not a record of his name in the book of Esther. But it is a record of God's providence in the book of Esther, a delivering God that delivers his people. It is a God concerning a person, and that person is Jesus Christ, and it is what he has done for me and not what I do for him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 
was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. How that Christ died. That's the gospel. I declare unto you the gospel is what the Apostle Paul said on that. You know, as we look at that, we can find out as the word came back throughout the realm, that message of the gospel, the good news that came back was to everyone that one was one of God's sheep. Everyone could appreciate it. You know, every one of them were guilty. But what do we have in the gospel? We have pardon. We have victory in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. We have pardon. We are guilty and we have pardon. And we are blind, but the gospel brings us sight. We are lame, but it gives us strength. So all of the pictures that we have of problems that we have in the flesh, our physical maladies, our physical trials, God takes care of spiritually for us on every hand and completely overturns them. To the poor, he gives us riches, God's riches. And to the dead, he gives life. And to the captive, he gives freedom. You know, those people still remained in Persia. Those Jews still remained under Ahasuerus. They were going to be there. Some people feel that the people had already gone back to Jerusalem. I was talking to a young man the other day on the phone, and he said, well, he always thought that Esther was a kind of... Uh, disobedient to God because she did not go back when the opportunity came. Look what happened as a result of God's providence through her in delivering all the Jews that were in the realm. We find out to the thirsty he's our water and to the hungry he's our bread and to the weary he's our rest and to the troubled he's our peace. We have the gospel. It's displayed in the book of Esther as deliverance was given to the people and that deliverance was a great victory and we have, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're more than victors. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We have everything given to us by Christ Jesus and as we just sang that song, be Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Now, the next thing that happens in the book of Esther, and we'll pick this up next time, we're going to have a celebration. We're going to have a celebration. Victory has been enjoyed, gospel has been declared. People have been delivered, and now let's celebrate in Christ Jesus our Lord. A feast is called for. A three-day feast in Shushan, two-day feast everywhere else. Wow. And we have that feast every day, feasted upon the riches of God's grace in Christ Jesus, waiting for that day, who wit, he shall return, and he will change us in a moment or in the twinkling of an eye, or we'll be raised together with him, however it goes, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll stop there for tonight.